Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house. You can get 20% off your order and free international shipping. That's Will, and I'm Jake. We are seven away from 100, and I don't know if you've put any significant thought into this. We should do something. We have to do something. Yeah, I've been, like, daydreaming a little bit about stuff, but... It's more of just like the summer's kind of moving way too fast. And I mean, not for nothing, we did a lot of big things early on in the year that once we start doing these big things, then they're going to start like piling on again, (laughs) champagne problems to have, but I have been thinking of like, okay, what can we accomplish? What kind of live show? Um, But yeah, I mean, things in the summer are starting to get busy and it's like, who is worthy of that hundred guests guest spot or spots? Yes. So that puts us at, I was looking at the calendar today. If we release an episode every week that puts us at the first week of September. Okay. And I don't know. Like we could just, we could just throw a ripper. I think we have to. Let's go rent out Lupo's or some shit. I think we have to. something we could maybe we'll maybe we'll take that opportunity to get our first house enterprise in-person gathering as well another i don't know how logistically we're gonna pull that off though (laughs) like we will be lacking some key members of the house enterprise community if we do this yeah we'll find it we will we'll figure it out but regardless uh 93 we've come not too bad for a couple of jabronis who kind of just fucked around with starting a podcast back in the day and then finally made it work for ourselves and this is 93 um really cool guests for you guys today we've got shrug vias and kevin shipman who are the founders of saint john's brewers and they're here to talk about their newest innovation cool out it's the industry's newest delta eight seltzer um before we dive in you and i sampled this we will make references so we we interviewed them last week we got their product the day of uh we interviewed them in the afternoon and because this has delta eight which is thc uh we refrained as the responsible members of corporate america that we are we refrained from drinking it during work hours uh we had them later that night what off the dome what's your review of of cool out delta eight seltzer before we get going here i did have low expectations i because one it's a product i'm not a big seltzer guy in particular i mean obviously it's becoming more of like the the spike seltzers are becoming like that summer drink but this had no alcohol and you know the first thing i'm i'm not going to grab in the fridge is just a regular seltzer so i wasn't too optimistic on it but from a seltzer standpoint, great taste. It was light. There was, you know, no sugar. What was the sugar? We were looking zero. at zero. Everything was zero. Zero calories, zero sugar. Zero, zero, zero across the board. And then the THC component, the Delta 8, I would do again. It was very mellowing. It was very relaxing because the seltzer was so easy to drink. You know, dangerously, you can like kind of put like two or three back. And that's what we talked about. We, you'll, you'll hear this in the end of the interview. We sort of asked the question, which we won't spoil. It's let's ask the obvious, can you get high from this? And we won't spoil it. We'll leave you on the edge of your seat here. 
I won't say I was full blown, like, you know, oh my God, like walk me out of here. But I, I didn't feel nothing. I didn't feel nothing. Right. It was kind of comfortable. Yeah. Cool. I enjoyed it. Um, enjoy it. Some pretty good stuff. Um, we'll, we'll dive right into it. Chirag and Kevin, um, New England guys, they both went to Vermont, uh, University of Vermont, that is. Left their jobs uh, as a scientist at NASA and a physical therapist to break the nine to five mold, to go do something out of the normal and talk about, um, you know, sort of out of the box. They went to the Virgin Islands, came up for nothing and built St. John's Brewers from the ground up. So let's bring in the two guys that did it. And they'll tell you their story. Awesome, awesome, awesome story, too. They literally traded in cushy jobs in corporate America and built something from the ground up that was their own uh, in one of the world's most beautiful places. So let's dive into it. Chirag and Kevin, here they are from St. John's Brewers and Kind Grade, the founders of Cool Out, the industry's newest Delta 8 seltzer. Let's go. All right, everybody, with us this week, our first tropical guest, uh, all the way down. Are you in the Virgin Islands today? Is this where the interview is being taken place? So we oh, yeah. got uh, Chirag Vias and Kevin Shipman, the founders of St. John Brewers and the founders of Kind Grades LLC, the maker of Cool Out Seltzer infused with Delta 8 THC. Uh, two gentlemen that traded in the nine to five. They have their New England ties and they took it to the Virgin Islands and they're making some incredible stuff. But uh, Chirag and Kevin, welcome to the show. And how's everything going? Doing great. Great. Thank you. Doing well. How about yourself? Everything's well. We're fresh off the 4th of July. We got your products ready to try uh, once we're done with work and uh, all is well, all is well in uh, Providence. But let's kick it off to you. I mean, tell us, tell us the beginnings. Tell us who you are, what <clears throat> made you love into fall into this industry and, you know, give us the background of who are Chirag and Kevin. Well, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off and uh, just we'll, we'll start from, I guess, when Chirag and I met, which was at the University of Vermont freshman year. Um, both of them on the same dorm floor uh, amongst 40 other uh, guys. And it was a, a great tight-knit group of people. Uh, and, and Chirag and I definitely, uh, you know, uh, were closer than, than other ones that were uh, in our group. And uh, hit it off, friends throughout, uh, throughout college good uh drinking buddies and um drank good beer in vermont i guess we went to college so we we're introduced to the craft beer culture <clears throat> in the in the 90s so it was kind of still up and coming i guess but pretty well established in certain parts and we both went to good uh beer parts of the country i, I moved to boston for a couple of years i was a, a physical therapist at beth israel in boston and i worked out in california at uh, nasa ames research center so i was a scientist for nasa uh, in the space shuttle program in the Bay yeah. Area. And, and that's a really, that's a really good segue too to this next part, right? You guys had great careers, right? You went to school, you were smart guys. I mean, uh, being a scientist at NASA and being a physical therapist are not like, you know, just show up and mail it in kind of deals. Like you, <laughs> you have to have some kind of knowledge up there. So what was it that sort of triggered like, oh crap, this nine to five is not for me. Like, let's go do something crazy. I mean, you, you are right. It was it was definitely a, a, a challenging program, the, the PT program at, at UVM. And then when I when I got to when I got to Boston uh, at the acute care hospital that I worked, it was super long hours. You know, I mean, it wasn't unusual to work in ten hours a day. And uh, you know, definitely a frustration was going to work, having it be dark, leaving work and having it be dark, and really never even seeing like the 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 good part of the day. 
you know, and, and I feel that everybody is a little idealistic out of school with, with what they want to do and, and the impact they want to have. But then there are those, those personal sides too, that are your, your, your lifestyle and, and what you want to do. And, um, you know, at the, at the end of the month, I'm looking at my bank account after paying my college loans and my rent and my utilities. And it was definitely a struggle, you know, especially seeing friends that were in the finance world, you know, complaining about 25% bonuses and things like that. And here I am working my tail off, helping people, all those sorts of things. And just thinking that there could be something different or better that I, that I could be doing. Yeah, I mean, for my, myself, I, I moved out west to California from the East Coast, so it was a new adventure. Uh, I got a job at NASA, got to get deep in the sort of laboratory science world, DNA, RNA research, as well as uh, kind of got in the animal science program at NASA Ames. And so I had an opportunity to work in the space shuttle program where we were sending different experiments up on the shuttle from fruit flies to rats and mice and things like that. And um, it was interesting and I, it was a little slow paced surprisingly I mean for space program you know it takes years to, to build programs and I had a lot of fun got to meet astronauts and work on, on different missions um, but like Kevin said there was more to life I thought you know we're 20 20 something 22 23 years old we see the career in the future 20 30 year career in the future and like where do you go with it so uh, I, I think I was looking for an adventure per se just a year off maybe do something different I uh, had to travel, you know, backpack through Europe and college. So I kind of thought there might be an opportunity to take a break from the space world and figured maybe I'll find a way back in it somewhere down the road. But and so I had a buddy that was that was living down here. So I, I visited and this was early in, uh, in, in 2001, just wanted wanted to escape the, the New England winter. And um, so, yeah, visited down here and immediately just fell in love. It is it is a beautiful place. And after being here for 20 years, I still think it's it's a beautiful place, which is great. And uh, and then, you you know, during that week, I was kind of thinking to myself, I could I could live here for, you know, for at least eight months or so and, and bartend and, and have that uh, experience. So I went back up and threw out to a bunch of college friends and, you know, and, and Chirag as well. And it was just just he and I that wanted to take that plunge, and I mean we were you know twenty three I think yeah twenty three at the time. It was it was sort of summer of uh, two thousand one. We were twenty three out of college and, and sort of you know working our first two years in, in the professional world, and it was just the right time. Uh, it felt for us at least to take a little chance on something. Um, and so yeah, we we talked about it and we decided let's let's do it. And uh, sure enough, you know we we started planning our our escape route, and that meant you know packing up and out on the west coast driving cross country meeting up with kevin he uh he was in boston which is the east coast for me it was was a great place to, to start you know from there and make our way down to the islands never been kevin went down for that week and he said we could do it so i said i'm in and we went sight unseen but uh you know during our planning we had you know again quit our jobs had very little savings and what we we're going to take down the backpack and uh about three weeks before we were ready to fly off and do this adventure 9-11 happened and so everything changed flights stopped um everything was on hold so not just the world was on hold our lives were on hold and we weren't even sure if we'd actually make it down to the virgin islands uh never mind get our jobs back if we wanted to <laughs> um so anyway it was a pretty tough time but we ended up you know did get on some of the early flights out of boston and i recall i mean it was kind of an interesting time where we left uh, Logan and there was just armed military, you know, men with machine guns everywhere and dogs. And it was just the kind of crazy time to, you know, be around. And we, we landed in the Virgin Islands and it was palm trees in paradise. And 
very far away from a lot of that. Although we are U.S. territory, it was a world of a world away from Boston and, and the West Coast. I mean, obviously, you make a incredible change and risk that not many people do in their lives. You know, you guys both had great jobs, bought the one-way tickets, and you know, obviously, that's a day that you'll always remember. But because of everything going on with you know what happened with 9/11, it's it's pretty ingrained in your head. But you make your way down to the Virgin Islands. The rest you kind of find out later. I mean, the first few months you bust tables. Uh, you mentioned before you paid $250 a month to sleep in an old sailboat, no running water, no electricity. Um, you know, tell us those hardships in those first couple months on when you were building up this St. John's Brewers. So yeah, it was it was definitely uh, a challenge, and and one of the one of the challenges, and it still exists now, is is trying to find housing uh, on St. John where we are. Um, you know, there's just not a lot, a lot available and, and you have to be here too. It's not something that you can, you know, comfortably try to find in the States that you can on Airbnb or something like that. You, you have to be here. You have to go and see it because so many people, you know, say they want to do this, but then like you guys said, very few actually do take that leap. So, you know, we had a very modest uh, hotel for the first three days that we were here and, and uh, every day get up and, you know, back then there was, you know, internet wasn't what it is now. It was a dial up. And, uh, you know, so you couldn't really do searches that way. So it's just a big community board and it's just the, the island coconut. Just, you you know, you just go out and meet people. It's a very friendly place and you just start to network that way. So trying to find uh, housing was a challenge. And so we couldn't find anything on land. So that was when we, when we took to the water and uh, the boat that we were on, it, it had sunk three years previously and the mass had snapped off when it was under the water from the, from the motion you know, going back and forth. So they had raised it, kind of cleaned it up, but it was still pretty shitty. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we lived on that and uh, no, no, no running water, no shower. We joined a gym just to shower, you know, we would dingy to shore and, uh, you know, because we're trying to find jobs and look presentable. So uh, that was, it was, it was rough to do that for sure. They were the best uh, grilled cheese sandwiches that, that we ever made, you know, on top of the boat with a, with a, with a sterno, like beautiful sunset. So there was just so many moments when it was like at the end of the day, you know, especially with like 9-11 just happening, like you just, it just gave you a lot of, a lot of good perspective, you know, and, and throughout our, our time here, you, you definitely, uh, you know, just appreciate just the, the, the little things, you know, I mean, it is cliche, but, you know, it, it is a really good perspective to have as, as far as, you know, it doesn't take much to, to, to find some happiness. And it's been great to get that perspective in a lot of different times throughout the 20 years that we've been here. Yeah, it's been it's interesting. The sailboat was a fun, you know, we wanted to get off the sailboat as soon as we could. It was, you know, waking up at 6 a.m. with the, uh, the ferry boat uh, <laughs> starting its, its first uh, run of the day and then kind of swing you awake. Dude, you would, he's, he's putting that light in. You would, so the, so the car barge is in literally like the, the same bay. And so it would take off early and send wakes to all of the liveaboards. So you would literally almost fall out of the bunk that you were on like jars would fall off the shelves. You got good at knowing how to place things. And it's the worst as far as getting scared awake. You know, and then you've got all this adrenaline and like you shoot up top and want to curse somebody out, but they're already like gone. And it doesn't, it just doesn't matter, man. But you, you just got rocked, man. It was, it was crazy. Oh. Oh, but again, that, that was, was the worst fun. part of our day. And then know? we so. would get on the shore and we'd hike to a beach and then apply for jobs. And like you said, our first job was, uh, bus boys and, and we took them gladly and we we bust tables and worked our way up to being bartenders having just come off some pretty good jobs prior to that but you know we humbled ourselves and 
worked our way up the chain and then we stayed in the restaurant industry um, until we got into like, you know, we got on land and got an apartment that we could afford. And then we taught ourselves how to brew beer. That was kind of the, 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 the pathway to it, you know. So when like we're reading our agenda, you know, point by point, that, that's a really good segue here to, to the bartending and to beer, right? So U.S. Virgin Islands, I was uh, in, our, in our homework, right, realized that uh, when you guys went to St. John's, all they really had was lay lager, right? So that, that was their bread and butter, which is four or 5% really easy to drink. And that was it. Um, what, what was the revelation for you where you're like, wow, you know, well, we could, we kind of, we want to make beer. We're from this kind of craft beer area of the nation. What basically made you pull the trigger on, on the first home brewing kit that you guys, uh, that you guys got? It's interesting because we definitely did take uh, accessibility to, to beer for granted. You know, we just, we just thought, hey, no matter where we go, we're going to have different styles of beer. But it was just that crib lager, that American domestic beer that was available here. And, and we, we did, I guess we didn't realize how much, how important that was to the sociability of, of us, you know, from pretty much like our, our entire, you know, kind of drinking upbringing was, was craft beer. And so it was pretty much out of necessity. You know, originally we didn't plan to start a brewing company. We just wanted to brew ourselves the kind of beer that we wanted to drink. So again, we went to the library, went onto the internet for that we got 30 minutes a day of and got a homebrew kit, the classic five gallon pail uh, and the, uh, the, the simple kit that came with it. And, uh, you know, being having our science backgrounds, we just really caught the bug. And just then we bought a couple more and just always had beers fermenting. And then we got, you know, back then supplies weren't as easy as they are to get now, but we were able to find some suppliers and we can get different hops, uh, started to go away from the, the malt extracts and started to really, you know, after a year or so, start to dial in our own recipes and all that kind of stuff. And treating our beers way better than we were treating ourselves. We would, we'd section off our air conditioner in our apartment to make little, you know, kind of fermentation rooms to, to dial in the temperature. We used some, uh, a wine room at a restaurant that we worked at to be able to uh, just dial in our fermentation better, but, and reading every book that we could back then, you know, not a lot of information was out there like there is now, but uh, just a lot of self-taught, took really good notes. It was good having, having our backgrounds uh, that, that we could change different variables, keep things the same. And then the best part, the frustrating part is having to wait as long as you had to, to build up carbonation. But at the end of the day, you know, we just, every week we'd have new, new batches coming out that we were sampling ourselves and starting to give them out to friends and kind of tweaking that idea that we were coming up with. Do you remember that first beer? Pale ale. Yeah. Pale ale. I mean, it's kind Taste, of tasted great. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we always like to ask the people that, you know, start with the home bro and it's either, you know, Hey, we're onto something or Holy crap. There it is. I've got ours right here. Yeah. The really? signatures right there. What is this? This was an IPA and this tasted like, Oh, it was tough. It was not, I don't know. It tasted like, uh, I think sink water is putting it lightly. It <laughs> smelled like a beer and it looked like a beer. The taste needed some refinement. You can yeah. see it's a challenge, especially early on to really get things dialed in. I mean, you're, you're new to the equipment and, and the process and all that. So yeah, definitely. It is a challenge. It makes you appreciate really good beer, you know, it's and, and, and the process. And that was the thing. I mean, we were at that point a few months into drinking light lagers and it, it was, that was all that was available, as you said. So having something alternative that 
we created than we could control. Um, and just like Kevin said, we just got into craft, you know, micro homebrews, as you know, you, you and your buddy, you're stuck on an island. What else are you going to do? Brew beer and go to the beach and work, you know, and kind of repeat. And so we did that so often that we just kept bottling beers and we would actually, we worked in fine dining restaurants. So we would save the kind of the uh, Aquafina, Aquapana waters, which are these bottled water leaders. And they allowed capping pretty well with the, the home system. So we'd have our servers uh, save them. The, we were busboys too at the time, bartender. We'd save the bottles and bring them back and package them up. And then eventually give them out to friends and, and bartenders and chefs and different people in the food industry that we work with in the restaurants. And that, um, that kind of let us, we became known as the guys with the beer, you know? So we weren't, we weren't starting a brewing company. We didn't come down here with some addition to start a brewing company. It was just a necessity out of having fun brewing and tasting it. But a couple of years in, you know, fast forward when, you know, we are, you know, we had some choices to make about, you know, what's the future of the island life is going to be. Starting a brewing company made sense. And that's why we're St. John Brewers. We're the two guys that brew beer on St. John were brewers. So it was never meant to be this big brewing company. It was just two guys brewing beer. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy how, you know, the business was founded in an unfamiliar place or just not even what you were intending, but that aha moment of, okay, you know, we're opening up this brewery. Now in the past 15 years, your brand has grown so much. What have been some of your favorite creations or favorite, you know, memories of St. John Brewers? There's been a bunch, you know, especially those, those early days when we, um, you know, we had said when we, so we, we have our small scale production down here and then we, we were working with a uh, shipyard up in Portland, Maine to do some, do some large scale production for us. So we, we got, uh, about 1300 cases made for us at, at once, you know, and first batch. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely some value to being young and naive, you know, when we started this, that we didn't know what we we're getting into. And, you know, we were either going to sell a lot of beer or have some really great parties and stories, you know, if we weren't able to. And so we, and we led with our, our tropical mango parallel. So it was, you know, we, I honestly thought that we we're going to change the way the Virgin Islands drank beer and everyone was going to love fruit beer, but it, um, you know, obviously that's, that's not the case. Fruit beer is either something that you like or, or, or you don't. Um, but yeah, so those, those first days of, of trying to sell that um, and we start out self-distributing out yeah. the back of our pickup truck. So this is, you know, coming the first batch was sort of, you know, our responsibility to, to move and, and, and sell. So we had some limited storage space on a tiny island and we're still renting apartments here at this point. So we ended up moving about 600, six, 700 cases of uh, beer into our apartment, our living room, closets, you know, anywhere we could fit it. And we were just storing beer and then delivering out, out of our back of our pickup truck to all the bars and restaurants around island, which we had become friendly with over the years because we were the bartenders and we were you know, doing that. So it was, it was quite the challenge and we had no distribution company and it was just the two of us. Uh, and it was, it was something that, that you couldn't, you couldn't have come here and just started this within six months. It, you needed to have been here for years to build up all those relationships with the bar owners, with managers, because they, they, they knew what we were doing. And, and some right off the bat said, we'll take 10 cases, you know, just because they knew us and they wanted to support us, you know, and, and it was great having that, those initial sales, but then having the backing of, you know, quality business owners, you know, just to give us that, that, um, that upper hand. And there's a lot of fly by night ideas down here. We know people think they're going to make it. And so we're, we didn't want to come across as that, but take the support of the community for sure. And our, our delivery truck is a 1989 Toyota pickup truck. So we're, we're not talking <laughs> about some sort of <laughs> amazing vehicle. This one time it was raining and we have a full, we could fit 70 cases in the back of the pickup truck. 
and we're going up this this hill and we didn't have enough didn't have enough momentum to go up the hill so we're starting to slide back down and this is one of the steepest time and so we're we end up going across the whole road we're blocking the whole road and we just so happen to be in front of one of our one of the guys that works in at one of the restaurants we worked at so he comes out of his house and we just start it's still raining out so we're putting all this beer on his porch and we get down to a third of the amount and now try and put this thing the back of the truck is like right up against this rock wall and so now i'm the one who's got to get in it's a standard and so to try to get this thing so i don't slide down any further or you know smash up all the lights in the back of the truck and make it up this hill to get to our apartment where we're offloading all this beer so took three different trips instead of one just because of the because of the truck and the and the road but there was like another dozen i mean just missing the barges having to spend nights on st thomas it's, it's uh, an island of you know we're on an island of you know just under four thousand people year round so you know four <laughs> miles by nine miles long very tiny rock everything's brought in by boat and, and, and you know sick uh, has to be sailed in so it's it's challenging living electricity goes out you know frequently on island um slower pace which we're used to but that you know for business can be a challenge but um yeah i mean we've we've gone through so many things we could tell you days of stories but i think the man the mango beer was our you know our first beer i think it was the most creative in the sense that we were taking a leap on a flavor that really hadn't been used before mango and, and beer was unheard of we still take the claim of the first commercially available mango infused beer uh, available. And that was back in 0405. Um, and then now since then it's taken over 15 plus years and now you see mango beers everywhere. So um, we just kind of took a leap on certain flavors and styles and re recipes, mm. always trying something new and different. So, you know, as we get into sort of the Delta date conversation, it's sort of, that's the new innovation, but we've done beers, sodas, you know, seltzer, hard seltzers, and now into the uh, the Delta THC space. So try to keep what it a fresh. great point that is for Mango too, because I feel like Golden Road Mango Card. I mean, that was that's some people's favorite beer right now, we've, right? We've been doing it well before that, and, and that's the took, thing. Like to know that we you took guys, it early people yeah. would say things like, how, "What people would ask, what is a mango fruit?" Which now seems you know pretty obvious. People know what it is, but um, just. That what is this terrible flavors or they just couldn't understand it and they were so used to blueberry raspberry strawberry you know the pumpkins they everyone's kind of familiar with that but the, the exotic fruits are still new and mango is one of them but you know we're a tropical beer company you know we're a u.s territory and u.s brewing company um, but we're out in a very unique location um so yeah. we use our we use the flavors that are around us still now, this before we get to the the um the cool out my question is, in terms of your business strategy, obviously you made a ton of different relationships while on the island, and then of course you learned you learned as you went. But how did you get the buy-in of a, a different product? You know, we mentioned that everyone was just drinking the light lagers in in um in um not Bermuda, sorry, uh, St. John's. I just came back from Bermuda. Mine's all <laughs> over the place. When you were in St. John's, obviously people were very much into the light lager, but there's also a big tourism scene. How did you get that buy-in of, besides having a good product, hey, start expanding your palate a little bit and try different types of beer? I mean, there, there definitely was a lot of that. There was a lot of education. And I just feel in general that, that once people do have flavor, that, that they tend to like it, you know, and then they're just going to want more and, and that variety. But there was so much education that, that happened. And it's still... Tropical mango pale ale is still a it's still a light a light style pale ale. It wasn't it wasn't a, a, a very heavy um, 
you know, bitter forward kind of kind of parallel that that was a bit more popular back then. We just found that 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 the bitterness wasn't really jiving well with the mango aspect. So we, you know, we we lightened it up. So it, it did still have Caribbean kind of weight to it, you know, as, as far as the beer. But you you are right though, with that added flavor, we definitely had some education to to do and 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 just people like they they, they did enjoy it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that hard of a sell, but I just think at the end of the day, though, fruit is something that that is, you know, either you, you like it or you tend to grab something else for, for beer. But it definitely did. I'm glad that we came out with the mango beer first, because if we did our summer ale, which is just our classic, you know, higher volume kind of beer, um, that it would have been more of a challenge to come out with a with a, a unique as beer as mango pale ale is second. So exactly. Summer ale was our second beer, which is a half barley, half wheat, summer style, light ale. Still with some you know hot profile, but real you know real easy drinking, clean, crisp finish, um, and that's a little lighter, so a lot a lot of people like transition over from the, the light macro beers that we're familiar with, um, and then followed that with our IPA, our Island Hop and IPA. And I remember when we launched that IPA, it was at a time still where IPAs were just coming on the scene in that sense. They were they were big out west, they were big in certain markets, but there were still parts of the country that were not familiar, and you know. We, we do beer tastings every week at the local hotels and, and resorts. Um, and we call back in the day, explaining IPAs to every single guest every time for years and years. And now just doing it last couple of weeks ago, it's, you know, everyone wants the IPA. They don't have to even explain what it is. Men, women, young, older, it doesn't matter. So it's taken America 15, 20 years to finally learn how to drink beer. And so we've seen it, you know, because of all the tourists that come from all 50 states. It varies, but generally speaking, the last 15 years, craft beer has come sort of mainstream in that sense. So we were really early on in the game and then being a Caribbean company and like Kevin said, coming with the exotic fruit, it just put us in this world of, we got noticed, people wanted to you know, hear about it. And then we've been producing and we've packaged over more than a dozen different styles of beer. We produce 50 plus at our brew pub. We've got 25 draft lines, we stouts to everything. So. There's not a flavor profile that we can't get to or haven't done already, but education has definitely improved nationwide in the last, I'd say, 10 to 15. So it's been nice. And while yeah. you were full-time in the States, I mean, you we, we talked about how you guys were in a bunch of different cradles of craft beer. It was still very early on in the early 2000s, but yeah. whether it was Rhode Island, Boston, Vermont, California, were there any breweries or beers that you know, kind of inspired you to take this? I mean, obviously not the journey of starting a brewery, but had the idea of, hey, you know, I really like craft beer. This would be cool one day to, you know, maybe make my own. Yeah, I would definitely give a nod to to Magic Hat and their their uh, kind of bullpen of beers from, from back in the day. And then I was a big Harpoon IPA fan when I was in Boston. You know, they had their their parties out at their, their brewery um, out in the the uh, seaport area, which was, which is great. So that's, those are definitely beers that, that I, that I garnered inspiration from. And exactly. I think that the Vermont scene, there's Otter Creek to long trail. Um, and a lot of the, the shed, you know, some smaller operations to some of the bigger ones. Um, and then of course, yeah, magic hat and then leading into, you know, shipyard, that connection came later when we started the business, but that really opened us up into meeting more brewers and, and you know, and that's the thing. Now I'm 20 years nearly in the career uh, career in this industry. We've met a lot of the, the industry titans over the years from Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada to, you know, Jim Cook through, you know, uh, Brooklyn Brewery. I mean, uh, Garrett Oliver. I mean, we've just met a lot of people over the years. And, 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 and so we just sort of 
in the beginning days, those are the ones you remember the most because it inspired, you know, the idea of it. But as a business, you see so the opportunities and growth and the strategy some of these other business owners have done over the years and, you know, keeps us going and it keeps us wanting to be part of this scene and we do enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I think the New England scene for sure. And then out West, I mean, by that time, Fritz Maytag had already built that whole thing out, but that whole story was inspiring, you know, and, you know, you can get into that. And of course, we also saw the boom in craft beer. We started out humble, you know, a couple thousand bucks in our pocket trying to start out the back of our pickup truck. And then a couple of years later, everything's multi-million dollar investment deals and all that. So we've seen the industry do some really interesting uh, upward swings. So Talk about some industry upward swings. And we've got uh, one of the like brand new innovations in craft brewing and seltzers and whatnot. And that is using uh, cannabis um, Delta eight, whatever it might be. So enter cool out. Um, you know, when you guys expand, you typically experiment, right. And cool out becomes something that you guys dip your feet into. Um, we just got our cool out. It's in the fridge cooling itself out, uh, which is good. Um, I can't wait to try it, but what is the 32nd pitch here for cool out? So this is a brand that we're really excited about. It is a, it is a Delta eight seltzer. It is uh, 10, 10 infused with 10 milligrams of Delta-8. We're leading with a citrus flavor profile. It's uh, an all-natural citrus that we use. Uh, light, clean, refreshing. Um, it's, zero zero it's, sugar, zero carbs. Yeah, and it's meant to be sessionable, you know, so it's not just a one and done. It's, it's meant to be enjoyed over conversation or being social. Just until like you do with craft beer, you know, as beverage guys, we wanted something that you could drink you know, have a couple with your friends or you can have solo. Uh, the idea is it's, it's THC users are used to smokables or vapes and or edibles. And we find the edibles, you know, it could take an hour and you don't know what you're gonna get into. So there's a hesitancy where drinking, you know, having a, a drink as someone having a beer, you kind of ease yourself into it. You get the, you get the effects of a, of a t t Delta A THC in about 15 to 20 minutes, similar to a beer. So we're really trying to get that social aspect of cannabis. Um, you know, experience just like we're familiar with in the, uh, the craft beer scene. So, and we want it to be very approachable too. You know, that's why we have a little bit of a lower dose because we don't want people to feel intimidated or have a bad experience from our product. So it's something that we're, we're very education forward with, with what we're trying to do. You know, we've, as we just were talking about taking our cues from the craft beer industry, where the more, the know, the more, you know, the better experience you're going to have. And you'll be able to be, you know, almost a, another brand ambassador for us just through the education that we're going to be able to provide and the, the quality of our product. So, you know, we, we definitely feel that that based on our uh, craft brewing backgrounds, that it definitely gives us a gives us a leg up with our with this new venture that we're doing. And when specifically, you know, during this expansion experiment experimentation process, when was it okay? Let's go for the Delta Eight. When does that, when did that come into play for you guys and how did that testing and, you know, how long did it take for you to build a product that now we have in our hands? Right. During the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was sort of, it, it went in tandem with our hard seltzer and you can go to, we expressed, we we're interested in CBD early on as just something to, to, to work with um, in the beverage scene, but we ended up shifting to our hard seltzer at the time. So the alcohol seltzer, 5%. You know, we've got our Love City brand. It's, you know, 
doing really well down here. We launched in the Virgin Islands. It's it's a local product with a you know a bigger appeal. So the seltzer kind of concept we went developed the flavors and the process, and that led us from kind of the CBD into the Delta Eight world. But we just learned a lot from from our experimentation in, in 2020. You know, as we all know, it was a challenging time, and this was a great project just to kind of you know not think about all the all the stuff that was going on in the world and just focus on something that we felt pretty positive about. And it was a challenge, you know, trying to come up with just for the for the for the hard seltzer aspect, coming up with that 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 clean, odorless, tasteless base, and then flavoring on top of that. So there was that part was fun from a science perspective, and then came you know kind of that art meets science with with getting all the flavors together. You know, so we didn't we didn't realize it at the time, but we were really building a, a nice Rolodex for flavoring on top of you know seltzer in general. So it, it blended really nicely to. Uh, CBD and, and Delta-8 as far as the cannabinoids that we got to work with very early on. You know, we had access to some water-soluble technology uh, during during 2020, and that just helped because that is a lot of the issue with with putting hemp into beverages is, as you know, it's, you know, it starts out as an oil. Oil and, and water don't tend to mix with each other, so it's that, it's that water-soluble emulsion technology that helps to infuse it into the beverage that, that we had access to that ingredient very early on, which is great. And so we got to work with, you know, really good stuff. And then we were doing what we do, which is the flavor profiling on top of that. And so, yeah, we think there's, you know, the cannabis world is expanding and, 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 and there's, a, there's a push for different products, but the, the beverage side seems to be lacking, but growing at this point. And then we find ourselves, you know, very well positioned to be in that world. It's a lot different to move pallets of, of seltzer or beverages than it is just cases of edibles and, and flowers. So yeah, we're excited about it. Really think it's going to be a great addition to what we're doing. Um, keeps us in the beverage space. And it's fun. Like we've done everything from IPAs that are really, really hoppy and flavorful down to, to light seltzers that are really subtle, but yet, you know, very delicate and important and, and technical. So, and I hope you guys enjoy them. You know, we, we started Love City because we had a dozen people a day that were coming in the bar before the pandemic to say, asking us if we had, had hard seltzers. And so we finally, you know, kind of took it upon ourselves to, to try to come up with some. And so during our research, we didn't like the way that some of the leading brands, the Chulis and the White Claws tasted, where it's that, that sweetener on the back end that really, you know, is heavy on your palate. So ours are, are super clean, really light, uh, you know, zero carbs, zero sugar, no sweeteners added to them. And so we took our cue again from Love City and the, the responses that we're getting from, from customers and people down here has been phenomenal. So again, it was nice for us to translate that right into this other brand that we were, that we're focusing on now as well. Yeah. We can test 50 yeah. states, 50 different you know, pallets every day, our brew pub. We've got customers and our employees and our testing panels and we kind of take the best, best information we can. Yeah, I think that's some, some, some really cool stuff, right? I can't wait to try it for sure. I know Will feels the same way. I suppose the obvious question, I'm almost debating whether it's a challenge or perhaps it's an opportunity is, is the fact that it does have uh, cannabinoids in it, right? It's like, that obviously warrants the question at some point, it's, can I get high from this, right? right. Which, I don't know, like, how have you, uh, is that something that you're sort of leaning into and saying, like, you know, it, like, take us through, like, it, in short, it seems like the answer is, like, yes, you might feel a little, a little high, but, like, what's different about Delta 8 than, like, smoking a joint or having a, a vape, for example? It's a, it's a light, mellow high. Um, it, it's, you know, it's not, you don't get hit when you take a hit or a smoke, 
you're going to get it right away and it's going to, you're going to feel it pretty hard and it's going to mellow out over time. This will gra gradually build just like a strong beer, like a 6%, 7%. You'll feel something. You'll feel like, but you know, mellowness, um, you know, a, a light high. It's, it, you know, it's not going to be as intense as an edible where some of those can be 20, 50, 100 milligrams and they can be very strong. And then all of a sudden you're stuck in the couch. That's not this, this has been something social and you can, you'll feel it. Again, if you have a second can or a third can, you'll just intensify that buzz. Um, but we try and again, dose it in a way that Matt, you know, matches sort of the, the, what an IPA perhaps would be like um, in terms of having a couple of those. Is that kind of your thought? Yeah, I know I would agree with that. It is a, um, it's, it's just a nice, a nice light buzz, you know, and everyone, it, it's something that, that you have to figure out much like I feel people with, with, with alcohol, if we can try to correlate these two that, that, you know, everyone's, done enough experimentation that they know kind of kind of how how different beverages affect you with time of day the amount of sleep you've had the amount that you've had to eat so all that i feel will, will play into into cannabis as well but you know it is it's interesting to to try to explain how you were how you were even asking the question because with alcohol because it's been so you know been a part of our society for hundreds of years it's it's not even a something that's spoken you just kind of know what goes on and so it is interesting when you have to have to even ask that question to say, oh, hey, how does it affect you? And that's why, you know, try kind of correlated it to to beer just to kind of get that get that out there. And and something else that that is frustrating is that kind of that negative stigma that's around cannabis. If people, you know, either talk about potheads or the 80s campaign for say no to drugs, it's you know, there is still some of that out there. And, and so to get rid of those negative stigmas, because it's, it's such a great plant. It's, it, it's, it's not a toxin. It's, there's no hangover in the morning. There's That's the key. You get no hangover. You don't get that sugar buzz. You know, we're, we're beer drinkers. We get it, you know, but there's a time and place too. And I think the hard seltzers did that as well. You take the sugar out of your products and take a, some of the sweet, you know, that just helps to change the, you know, the, the health aspects. And we know the other thing is the taste profiles have changed over to, you know, over time, younger generations want, you know, lighter stuff, healthier options. You know, they want to be functional. They want to, you know, have a drink while they're doing yoga and not just, you know, waking up late in the morning, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it really does have a benefit to, to those that are used to social drinking or want to have something, a beverage where they don't want to smoke, nor do they want to, you know, trust an edible or mint. Um, there's nothing social about passing a mint around. It's just how it happens. <laughs> it, it, over, you know, it's, it's super frustrating. I mean, I have, you know, we all had gummy bears and gummy worms when we were kids, you know, and it's still like, looked at as one of the best deliverables for for cannabis you know it's it's frustrating and then smoking and vaping isn't isn't always the best option or even accessible depending on where you are and you know once again beverages it's just such a good social lubricant and it's you know it's just ingrained in our in our society and trying to bring cannabis more into the american beverage culture you know is is i, I it's, it's a good goal for us and that's uh, again one of the reasons that we that we like this project and why we're doing it it's innovative and it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're looking forward to seeing how this expands, which leads me to where can consumers get cool out today? And what does the future of this, you know, brand and this seltzer look like? Drinkcoolout.com. That's our website. We do direct to consumer sales, uh, direct to home to states that we're regulated in. Um, we're just getting going on distribution. So we're adding new locations, CBD shops, um, uh, independent liquor stores, uh, Southeast right now, uh, going nationwide you know, every week. Uh, we just came back from the uh, the Delta Expo 
in North Carolina where we won best in show for cool out. So that was a nice the beverage in the beverage category. So we think we're on the right track and we're moving forward. You know, we just launched the last two months. So it's it's been a, a fun journey. Um, a little bit different than the alcohol industry, you know, if you guys you guys know about the three-tier system and how distribution is regulated state by state by different distributors. So uh, hemp products are a little, you know, looser in that sense, but it's also more challenging because you got to find distributors that aren't traditional beverage distributors. It is yeah. great that about not having the, the three-tiered system come into play because that direct to consumer is great. You know, it's it's uh, I think you know during during COVID, people really took to to online purchases. And so, you know, we we spent quite a bit of time and and uh, to to get our website to where it is and to make it navigable and and hopefully easy for people to find. So that'll be the first. And then as as we start to expand in our distribution, then you know people can look for it at their CBD shops and uh, you know different everything from vape stores to to some liquor stores as well. So we're just starting that process now. So we're excited about that. It's unreal stuff. The one of the most innovative products on the market um, and best in show. Add another award to the uh, to the shelf. Before we let you go, guys, you you have New England roots, so we've got to, of course, give you the opportunity to plug some of your favorite New England beers. Uh, potentially, Shirag, you're you grew up maybe less than fifteen minutes from where we, Will and I both are right now. So, any Rhode right. Island area beer, food that you that you just need to shout out? Oh man, I mean. Being from uh, growing up in Pawtucket in the early days and seeing how the craft beer breweries have popped up in the last decade, I mean, from Smug Brewing, uh, which I don't know if those guys are still going yet. Um, goodness, uh, Narragansett, of course, had really made a big, big push back into Rhode Island. That was nice to see and really brought that back. Um, there's so many breweries. And I think when we started, it was we went down and saw the Newport Storm guys, you know, and they were they were the only ones had their small operation in the garage. Super cool, nice guys, and and since then there's well, there's got to be over 50 breweries now, at least in Rhode Island. I think it's probably even yeah. more. Um, so now they're all doing great. And then food wise, um, man, geez, I can. Trugs, trugs. Jeanette's Jeanette's Bakery on Branch Avenue, the best <laughs> calzones around. Trog being a vegetarian uh, taught me what a New York system is. And that, that, oh. hot, hot wiener, yeah. And that the best one is the one closest to the closest to the armpit. <laughs> when they stack them up on their arms, they put those hot wieners, and they you got to get that sauce on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That That's was- like there's a very certain time that you can have, a, like an Olyville New York system hot wiener and. Tell you what, it hasn't been that time in quite a bit. Like, I just can't justify, like, that's a commitment. It's <laughs> a lot of chili, like, it's a lot of, like, or not even chili, but, like, ground Onions, beef and brown, stuff. Yeah. And all the good stuff. All Stanley good stuff. Burgers, I mean, God, Stanley Burgers at Central Falls in Kentucky. Oh, man, there's a lot of great stuff in Rhode Island. Great food. Kevin, how uh, about you in the Boston area? Well, I feel that there's so many, so many new... Uh, breweries that, that come out. I haven't, I've been to Boston in a couple of years. I, I try to get up to Vermont every year, you know, and, and some friends live pretty close to the Alchemist. So, you know, I mean, Hetty Topper is still a phenomenal beer, um, you know, Lawson's up that way. And then, you know, Burlington now has, has so many, so many good breweries. It's just, it's a joy to, to go up and, and see just the, 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 the good to great job that a lot of breweries are doing, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm very happy to, to be a, be a part of it. And, and it's, it's the, the brewing community is a wonderful community. You know, we just went back to the craft brewers conference last year for the first time in years. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing even after, you know, being in this for 17 years and being relatively small player, the amount of people that, that we know and also from our location. So it's, it, it just is, is a testament to, you know, people get into it because they're passionate about the craft, they're passionate about quality. And I, I feel it's also, you know, indicative of the person behind all the brands. So, um, yeah, it's been, it, it's been a great ride. I, I definitely enjoyed the career change uh, from the, from the PT, uh, you know, in Boston, people used to ask me, you know, even up until a couple of years ago, if I would ever go back and, you know, I'd say, oh, forever's a long time. Or I, I kept my license for years, you know, probably the first 15, 16 years I lived down here, I'd have to renew it every year. And then finally I was like, I'm so unemployable as a PT now that <laughs> anybody that want to take me, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. And, uh, I just always look forward to, to, to trying new beers when I go back up and then enjoying the, enjoying the ones that were, are, are still great from, you know, that, that aren't uh, as popular now because there's so many popped yeah. up. Yeah. It's changed. The world, the landscape's changed over the years. And it's, it's, you know, there was 1300 microbreweries in America. I think when we started in 04, if that's numbers still holds. And I think we're up over 10,000 now. It's so it's crazy. It's, it's the new one every week, you know, and it's, we try to talk to them all to hear, hear their stories. And, you know, one last question before we let you plug out, you know, where, you know, our listeners can find and engage with you. What advice do you have to someone, whether it's, you know, making that jump from, you know, a, a safe and secure job to something more adventurous or a change or someone getting into the brewing industry or just changing a career in general? What advice do you have or what advice do you wish you heard all those years back to, uh, you know, make you succeed to where you are today? You know, I think it was it was older people that that told us that we that we were doing the right thing almost, you know, at, at 20, you know, 23, taking this opportunity or this chance, you know, because the thing that they 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 had the, the perspective of that, that that you have time, you know, even if you completely mess up, lose every dime that you that you had and then some that you'd still be able to bounce back and that it's more the it's more the ride that mattered and not necessarily, you know, holding back. So yeah, some of the younger folks and friends, you know, we're a little concerned about our 401ks and is that a good idea? Um, that kind of thing. There's that natural fear of like the decision, you know, making the decision. But, you know, we get that question a lot from people down here visiting. I mean, I, probably the other day, somebody said, how do you do it? They ask us every day, how'd you get down here? And um, I think the hardest part is just making the decision. I mean, once you decide you're going to do it, everything will fall in place. I don't, I mean, it's just, you got to go for it. You don't need to stress about you know, what's going to happen and this and that, you got to first make the decision to move and do the thing you said you're going to do. And then once you get there, you'll figure it out. And, you know, you can always go back to some extent. You don't want to go always back to what you did, but you can always try something, go back to what you're familiar with. But taking a, taking a leap is making the decision. Just do it and you'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. It's not as hard as you think it is. And if, if these two fools can do it, <laughs> you can too. <laughs> well, you may be, uh, maybe fools to yourselves, right? But uh, in reality, I mean, launching this is going to be incredible. Um, you know, I, I can't wait to see how the U.S. market reacts to this. I think uh, Cool Out's going to be a home run and we'll be the, uh, we'll be the first journey on. So uh, congrats on, on everything. Congrats on your best of show as well. Uh, looking forward to drinking some Cool Out uh, a little bit later on. And uh, we'll give you guys the floor. Tell us uh, and our listeners where they can find you guys on social media, how they can uh, have uh, a cool out product or even a St. John's uh, Brewers product as well. Um, where can they engage with your stuff? St. John Brewers.com for our beer brewing company. We're on Facebook, Instagram, 
drink cool out for the cool out brand. Uh, you can order that online. And then, uh, yeah, the St. John Brewers on online, you can order our root beer and ginger beer. Unfortunately, we can't ship alcohol. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got our merchandise line as well. We got a lot of great stuff online, but check us out on say, uh, social media. Perfect. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, John. Oh, what's up? And come visit us in the Virgin Islands. Yes, yes. We'll have we to make need our an first, excuse. We'll, yeah. we'll have to make our first uh, over over the ocean expedition. I, I would say. I mean, we've done some inner intercontinental travel, but we'll, we'll make it our way to the Virgin Islands. And uh, we appreciate the time as always. Good luck. Good luck the rest of this year and for years to come. And we're excited to see this product on the shelves of Providence uh, one day. Sunday. Cool. Thanks. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. And that was just Chirag and Kevin, the founders of St. John's Brewers, and now the Kind Grade LLC with Cool Out. Answers were made. You can get kind of high, nice little mellowness, but um, you know we really appreciate their story. I mean, their story is just one of those things that if they keep going in this trajectory, it's written for Hollywood. It's written for a book. I mean, how do you quit a job in NASA and you put all those hours and hours into physical therapy and in the medical field to literally just get up and say, not even have the idea of a brewery of just, Hey, let's fuck it. Let's, who wants to come to the Virgin islands? Yeah, like, Let's just go. No plan. Yeah. And then, you know, rent the sailboat, crappy sailboat, bus tables. You know, you go from the highest of highs to like, just, you know, bus and tables and then realize that, Hey, we're so smart and we don't like the beer here, let's just make our own beer. Like that was the craziest part, not even like the leap of faith of going from the cubicle to this, you know, tropical nomad lifestyle, but just also being the fact that, you know, having the fact that it was like, yeah, you know, we can, we're, we can just make our own beer. We've never done this before, but we can figure it out. And it's turned into this incredible brand and now a secondary brand that, you know, one day will be the future of, you know, liquid cannabis liquid thc a new form of consuming that yeah i think it's already here too i mean we've seen cannabis quenchers which i think you and i have both had before right and that's that's a different it's a different method of consumption like think about even the last few years what seltzer's done a regular seltzer not a non-alcoholic like aha and uh, buble as they call it instead of bubbly and all the other seltzers that have come out they've just grown significantly i mean you see companies like boxed putting them in the packages that you can buy basically wholesale mm -hmm. and one of the most raging new concepts in america is this is finding new healthier ways to ingest cannabis i mean you combine two of the most i i guess they have more tailwinds than we than any other business really has right now, unless you're doing something with like AI or battery technology. I mean, you have more headwinds or excuse me, tailwinds in the market than you really ever have before, which like, this is a, a recipe built for success. And as you mentioned, I think that road ends in Hollywood. Yeah. But I mean, like going back, like the innovation side to all of this, the cannabis industry is still so new because one, it's not legalized in every state it's obviously not going to get, get legalized in every country, but we're starting to see waves. I mean, years ago, we saw how Canada was revolutionizing their industry with guys like Alan Gertner and, you know, Tokyo smoke. But with, when the States start legalizing stuff, similar to sports gambling, 
we're going to see new forms of, you know, how this is being done. So this is just the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah, I agree. This is really cool stuff. I'm uh, very excited to see where this takes them as well. Um, yeah, top right into balls. Uh, yeah, story's not done on, on Shrog and Kevin for sure. I, maybe that'll be, by the way, shout out our easternmost and southernmost guest. Yeah, for the record, easternmost, which I didn't even think of because the Virgin Islands is past the the most eastern point of the continental U.S. and obviously it's most southern. So props to them. Props to them. Balls uh, segment, as always, is presented by Manscaped. Manscaped.com, and you can use the code House twenty percent off your order and free shipping. Um, this is the period of sports where it's just like. It's not a hell of a lot going on. We're hitting a lull or we're not. We are. It's a lull, but it's also just like what's really newsworthy because there's yeah. stuff going on, but it's like summer league. I really could care less about in the NBA, right. you know, kind of going back to some college hoops digest stuff. I guess Chet is this unicorn, <laughs> but again, he had like one dunk and then it's the memes of him getting like, <laughs> like knocked out by Draymond, you know, like, but it's, who cares about the summer league that much unless like your team is built on young stars. So, you know, like, OKC and magic. It's like, you guys got a lot of first round and the Rockets, a lot of first round picks, young talent. I guess this is an important time, but for the rest of the league, it doesn't matter until the playoffs Uh, baseball. We're getting into that all-star factor, which we're obviously going to talk about football's quiet hockey, again, like the cup just ended. So like free agency and the draft is happening, but it's it's it doesn't pick up until the regular season it's a lull yeah. it's quiet it's definitely a lull uh but there was some big news today heinz field in pittsburgh is no longer heinz field and first of all part of me i i hate the steelers let it be known part of me is sad because this is i mean we just grew up as like oh shit that big yellow stadium on the river in pittsburgh was heinz field it's just what it was so 21 think, years. Yeah. I think um, it's also before you get to that point of just yeah. like, we're, we're avid sports fans and we can probably name 95% of all, you know, American stadiums and a good amount of like, you know, European soccer ones, just because we've traveled and stuff. Heinz field is one that like the casual fan knows one, because of it's like, I mean, Heinz is a monster company, but like you can ask a ton of people where it's like Gillette stadium. Oh, it's the razor company. That's the sponsor FedEx yeah. FedEx field. That's a mailing company. There were the sponsors of, you know, Redskins, a la commanders. Now it's no longer, you know, staples. People knew it was the Lakers, right? People just knew Heinz field. Right. Yeah. That, that's the thing. And people looked at Heinz and they looked at the Roonies and they said, you know, that that's Pittsburgh. Um, that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now it's Acrisure. Acrishore Stadium? Fuck out of here with that bullshit. The Ack. Uh, no. No, I, I, I know. Wind it. I know. <laughs> nope. Delete that shit. I know. Anyway. The Ack. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. How depressing is this? H.J. Uh, Hines and company, they said, the name may be changing, but this is not goodbye. Pittsburgh will always be home for Hines. Our partnership continues, and we're excited for the future and looking forward to next season. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, blah. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of comments in the 
in the replies. It's like the uh, the meme of Will Ferrell on the massage chair, the drink of the glass of wine. I forgot what movie that is, but it's uh, he's like crying his eyes out, drinking wine, and it's shattering all over the place. That begs a question, though. Is this the worst venue name change of all time? I think it's up there, but in my opinion, it's got to be the Staples Center. I, okay. Yeah, I'm right with you. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it, because it's like the crypto.com arena. Once you start adding like the .com shit, like I understand that that's their business title, but it's one of those where it's like the Lakers clearly needed some money, <laughs> you know, late, um, obviously when the Clippers, because the Clippers still play there now, but they have their new stadium. They, they're not, the new stadium's not open yet. So like, they're going to lose income there. Um, they're obviously cash strapped paying LeBron, AD and Russ troubling times for Jeannie bus, you know? So losing the name of the Staples center and just like the house that Kobe built was definitely a, uh, the biggest one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's up there. And I will also say, I think there are two that come to mind for me. I, I think the staples uh, to crypto.com arena was definitely not a, a great one. Um, and that's probably the most recent where I'm like, yeah, shit, that, that one still is like raw and that stings. I think that's going to prove to be one of the worst, if not the worst name changes of our lifetime. I'm going to go to two baseball ones, and you probably remember these. First one was the White Sox. Who didn't love U.S. Cellular Field? That's just what it was called. Yeah. And now for the past, I think it's like been like five years, guaranteed rate fields. I mean, guaranteed rates dipping their dirty paws into all these sports advertising deals. And I saw a tweet today. It's like, I understand how money works. I get it. I understand naming rights and ads and all this shit. I get it. But come on, it's U.S. Cellular Field to me. That's what yeah. it is. So that's number one. And I will also say, slept on one, progressive field moving from Jacobs Field for, the, uh, for what were then the Indians, now the Cleveland Guardians. That one stunk too. I think that was like the first thing. I was a big baseball, like, not stats nerd because I don't want to be – Come like part of the meme on Twitter that everybody like becomes a stats nerd and shit. But like, I loved the stadiums as a kid, and I like you know that was my first name, Jacobs Field. Awesome. Um, then they fucking change it to Progressive. Those are two that like those hurt. Those really hurt as a baseball guy. That's just what they were. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would actually also put not naming City Field Shea Two. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna respectfully disagree with you on it, but it, I, I get I think it. it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have no like. I think City Field's beautiful as well. I think it's actually one of the nicest newer ballparks. It's and nicer than Yankee Stadium, honestly. It's nicer than Yankee Stadium, yeah. And obviously, you know, close the chapter, change the name, get the sponsorship. I totally uh understand, but I don't know. I feel like they could have, they could have kept it. These people still call it Shea. Funny enough, there's people, there's people, you know, that are old time Nets fans, Mets fans that like still blunder and say Shea. Stubborn, I feel like. Yeah. Well, it makes sense though. It does. Cause that's just what it is to them. And technically you could park at Shea. You could park at home plate. They still have that golden plate in the ground. Um, yeah. 
And then I have yeah. I have one that I hope doesn't get changed, but it's going to the Dunkin' Donut Center. Yeah, I hear I hear that's getting changed. The dunk that will instantly become. Well, talk about shit that people used to like call what it used to be. They still call it the uh, what is it? The the Civic Center. The Civic Center, yeah. But that's like, the same with the Hartford Civic Center too. It's a, it's an XL Center now, but they call it the Hartford Civic Center. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things though that after this season specifically, it's like the Big East runs through the dunk, and it's hard to win in the dunk. What are they going to name it now? I'm trying to. Big I East had run through the Starbs. No, I had um I'm trying to find the tweet that someone mentioned it a couple weeks ago that like there was somebody that was in proposition. Yeah, I, I don't know what that was. We might have to circle back on that and rank. I, I would like to do a segment where we rank what the dunk should be named. And I just Fuck don't him. have an answer for that right now. The Long Live Center. Oh, Coca-Cola might be involved. I did hear that. Yeah. This is what John Ro- uh, Rook said. So. Yeah, I don't know. The Coke? I'm not. The Cola? No, that's dumb. The Cola. The Gansett would be sick. <laughs> the Gansett. <laughs> it's not like they don't have enough money. I know. They probably have enough money for like a to realistically pitch a naming rights kind of deal. The autocrat. That'd be kind of dope. But look at what they do with Providence City FC, the new the Rogues, the new soccer team. They've got the PVD donuts kit. They've got the I think they've got a Gansett kit. They do. They had a revival one. Yeah, revival. What are the revival like- center? That just sounds like you're no, because that you sounds like think, the team sucks. You gotta think like big. Yeah. I mean, if you think of like big companies, CVS, Fidelity, Hasbro, Citizens, KVH, <laughs> the house. Oh, <laughs> how much is it to name the dunk? <laughs> That's not what we have. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I would, I would, uh, we could raise a private investment round and just be like, Hey, yeah, our first, our first big thing is we're going to go put our fucking name outside the dunk. I'd cash out the 401k to call it the house. I really would. I love what we're building, but not, not enough for that. I would, I would definitely, I, I think I would risk it because like, think about it. What, how long is this contract going to be? I guess we can revisit in 20, at least like 15 years. I say, we I can get, revisit we, this. Yeah, we can revisit, but the house. <laughs> oh, dude. We just become, we just become, uh, nil donors to stack providence jesus christ we're gonna have to like reshape it oh first order of business new roof (laughs) well that that's (laughs) the first first order of business the new roof we shape it like a triangle like a house um and we've also got to make a pitch to bryant to get him to play there like hey screw your new stadium you're coming down here it'd have to be like i mean i think they've already broken ground Uh, yeah they have (laughs) fuck it who cares we need we need we need five games at the house. But by games, call guarantee games. Yeah, <laughs> Bryant's the away team in each five of these. We need we need one nationally televised game at the house, 
it doesn't even have to be like anything crazy. Like ESPN U, that's okay. CBS Sports Network. Nah, ESPN two. I'll meet you in the ESPN News. Maybe not. Maybe ESPN two. Fox. Right. Well, we're gonna circle <laughs> with Fox. <laughs> yeah, we can just call Fanta. And be like, hey, put this on the put this on See, the air. Wait, so does Coca Cola own Fanta? What? Does Coca Cola own like fan like the soda brand? Oh. Fanta? I thought you meant to no. negotiate a buyout with John Fanta. They, they do. Okay, we're gonna. All right, we're we're wait, 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 wait. no. We're I mean, write like, a business plan. If if Coca Cola does get the naming rights, like, I mean, Fanta. Is, in the, it, wait, are we? We might be breaking some news here. Like, I, if Coca Cola gets the naming rights, John Fanta will make history. What's the label here? Is it? He's the only. I don't know. We'll have to work on the 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 linguistics of how we're going to brand this. Next time he's on, we're bringing that up. <laughs> John, did you know that it, your last name is a subsidiary of the Dunk? Now you are inherently the Dunk. Got to get a statue of him holding a Fanta. That would be kind of sick. Well, they have to be Villanova in the Dunk to uh, yeah, then solidify yeah. it. But yes, it would. What a world we live in. All right, next pod, hold me accountable for this. We're going to we're gonna come up with the best three brands that should have the Dunk naming rights. All right. Each. And depending on who our guest is, maybe we'll ask them to contribute. If it's Rhode Island-based. If it's Rhode Island-based, correct. Correct. Well, what a circle we went on with sports uh, sports venue name changes. Uh, one more big thing, and that's, that's honestly really it for our ball segment. Uh, Wayne Rooney. Soccer legend is coming back to the U.S. this time as a manager. He's going to manage D.C. United. And for those that don't really know what's going on in the MLS right now, um, I'm pretty sure D.C. United just sacked their manager. Like, I don't even know. I should know this stuff. Um, Rooney played for D.C. United, and now it is full circle. Uh, reports say that Wayne Rooney is going to be – the head coach and i mean this is pretty crazy given rooney's history i mean played i mean he scored almost 200 goals at man u Mm -hmm. played at everton for a year dc united for a bit uh left derby county recently like last year was his last season just hung it up well he also managed yeah that's true he did also manage it was like a weird like agreement uh uh I mean, he was also helping the club. Like, they were going through some financial stuff. So, like, it was kind of like, a, hey, let's get the asses in the seat. <laughs> Wayne Rooney's here. Yeah, true. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, full circle. Full circle, especially for, um, again, how much of a recruiting pitch could this be? Obviously, he has ties with the club and the ownership. Uh, DC United's, I think, bottom at the table. What are they – 13th in the eastern conference yeah it really sucks the mls like uh revs are not great this year shout out fcc seventh that's climbing up climbing up from a brutal year last year revs are ninth nycfc's third people forget we saw dc united play in person this year that is true i could have fooled me first game 
Yeah, true. What a phenomenal game we saw, too. I mean, we left, and then DC United scored, and that was it. Yeah, that was it. It was nil-nil. We're like, ah, shit, all right, like, whatever. And No, but I don't know. This is this is pretty cool. I mean, well, I'm trying to find Rooney's accolades, and he was I – mean, he He's probably one of, like, in terms of English football, probably on the Mount Rushmore. Well, I mean, they say he is – he is regarded as the best player and yeah. uh, guys from England. He is, I don't really, I don't really think it's close. I mean, for the international team, he scored 53 goals and 120 appearances. Got goal of the season too. He had a bicycle kick against man city. Oh, he won the, um, which world cups did he win? He featured in 2006, which who won that one? Italy won in 2006. That's right. 2010, Spain won. Won in 2014, Germany. Was it so 2008 World Cup or no? No, because every four years. The FIFA club won. He was MVP. Oh, yeah. England player of the year four times. Yeah. He had 120 international caps too, which is like. He's in the Premier, Premier League Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, he had 237 goals and less than 575 appearances. It's pretty damn good. That's like a goal almost every time he goes out. Yeah. Or every other time he goes out, I mean. See, I like the move, but it's also one of these things where is it going to become oversaturated for the MLS when all of the old famous European players – whether playing on the MLS or then going back to coaching, like, does that kind of take away from what America is building? Like, I feel like we're not taking enough emphasis in the MLS of like natural born players or people with United States citizenship to help build up this program. Like we're getting a lot of transplants and stuff where there's nothing wrong with, but I just feel like that's just like the cheating way out of building a successful program. I think it's fine though, because you see how much soccer is growing in America. It's like, they're standing up. They have no problem. We're at like an unprecedented time in history and all of American sport where they're just standing up teams in any market with like a semblance of economic growth. And they're doing well. Nashville's exhibit a Yeah, like they open Geodas park and they're selling it out every game. It's unbelievable. And Nashville SC is not going to be like really good for a while. I mean, the game is definitely growing, but you make that point. It's like we are a superpower in many ways, shapes, or forms, even in this shitty political climate where it's like we are jack squat in the world's biggest sport. Yeah. All of the world's – if you think about it, all the world's biggest sports besides basketball, I mean, our women's soccer team is obviously good. No discredit to them, but the men's soccer, men's rugby, trash. Yeah. Yeah, the U.S. Uh, women's national team is pretty legit. That's really all we've got going for us. At the, yeah, at the but is that a discredit to women's soccer and other sports? That's a great question. I don't know. I think I, – I, I don't know. I think even with international guys being still the face of the sport, I think that's fine as long as they're growing the game in America. Like, you know, Beckham's owning Inter-Miami. Um we were just talking about this the other day. Jamie Vardy uh, owns Rochester, New York, which is going to be an MLS club in a few years. Messi will have some ownership. Messi's going to do do something in America. Yeah. You'd have to think. I bet you he ends up playing for Beckham these next couple of years. Yeah. I do. Zlatan will be back. 
How old is he? He's got to be like 40. No, as like an ownership. Oh, yeah. He okay, he'll have some involvement. Yeah, he'll have some involvement. Uh, my answer to that is I think it's okay. Yeah. I mean, the influence is good. I just hope that they are not doing this for show. And it's more of like, let's focus on building American soccer. American. Well, I think Korea. that's what they want. I think these guys, even from abroad, are like, hey, I'm not stupid. I can make so much money off growing the sport in America. Like, it's an investment vehicle. Let's not... Yeah. Let's not delude ourselves here. That's they are here to make money. Obviously. Which is why Mahomes just threw a shit ton of money at SKC as well. You've got these bigger athletes investing money. And Sporting KC has never sold like more. They're doing well. I don't want to say they're they've never sold more tickets than now. I don't know. I have nothing to back that up offhand, but no, but no one really gave a shit about MLS 10 years ago. Yeah. You know what needs to happen though? Revs need their own stadium. You cannot be trying to force it at a 70,000-seat stadium that holds the Patriots. They I say that a specific stadium for them, and it could be Tidewater Landing. That would be perfect. I mean, NYCFC is playing at Yankee Stadium, and they, they just the won the damn championship. That and they're the backed Rose. by Man City. It's like now that's just like not even – I mean, granted, like we were in a pandemic the past two years. Like I understand that, like – you know, make your investments noteworthy because it, nothing's guaranteed. However, you just won the goddamn championship and you're playing in a baseball field. Yeah, I I know it's not. They, they need their own stadium. I mean, they've got like even St. John's or dev teams playing at. That's not cool. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think Wayne Rooney coming back is good. For everybody. And that's where that's where you can sort of leave it with the MLS. Like, I think that move is going to be worth it. Um, yeah, I hope DC United figures it out because they, they won the uh, – no, they didn't win a couple of years ago. It was Atlanta that I was thinking of. Atlanta, which they don't have their own stadium they play at. Yeah, Mercedes-Benz zone. They actually, yeah. it looks really full, though, whenever they play, which is good on them for the optics. Wait, I'm just curious to see, like, going back to all of the champions, like – who actually has their own stadium? Uh, Columbus in 2020. They just actually built a new one. They've got two. But Seattle Sound, the Seattle Sounders play at CenturyLink. Right. Or, yeah, they do. But they love that shit. Yeah. Toronto. Let's be in. All right. So Toronto has yeah, their, they own. Have their own. Portland. Moffray is their own stadium. Is their own. Sporting case. Galaxy do. The Galaxy play at the Home Depot Center? Hmm. Yeah. That's a great question. I don't really know. But again, though, it's like not all of these teams have their own stadiums. And some of them are like, the most winning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic with the building going on though. Like Austin FC's place is beautiful. Uh, like I said, Nashville's is, is stunning. Cincinnati's was incredible. I mean, TQL, that was one of the, I think that was the best sports venue I've been in this year. That was, I mean. Brands Bank, I knew the shine was still on that place. But it like the fact that, 
I mean, granted, it goes to the ownership of, you know, the Cincinnati sports teams. And we've already shown that the Bengals are not always willing to spend, even though they just made it to the Super Bowl. And the Reds ownership has threatened to move because fans are ungrateful. But we saw them from overhead and they were kind of dumps. (laughs) And then you see TQL and it's like, holy crap, it looks like Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Paul Brown, not bad. Great American ballpark. History's there. Facility needs a facelift. Yeah. And it's a shame because, like, that whole neighborhood is so vibrant and lively, and there's a lot to do. The hockey place that has a juniors game, start over. You know, like, knock it down and start over. I mean, it is hockey, like – well, it's it's not, even, nobody yeah. goes to that shit, but it's like, it's, it's an eyesore. It's a bright, that bright blue building on the main road we were walking over. Yeah. That's not but again, does Cincinnati give a shit about hockey? No, of course not. <laughs> give it at least a paint job. I know. And that's talking architecture in Cincinnati. <laughs> Somehow we ended up at sports venues again. That that's, that's balls. That's balls today. Um, quick shout out, Zach Wilson. Go Cougars. Nice. Do you, qu- real quick, do you believe it? Um, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no, because it's like I was trying to find, follow along this rabbit hole and trail of information and clues, and it turns out that, like, his ex-girlfriend was the one that posted the comment, and then people started putting on their own tinfoil hats and going through. I don't think it's, like, out of the question, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a Mormon. He's a weird guy. guy. He's like, yeah, he, he, he's out with new money in New York and trying to figure things out. And he's a good looking dude. So who knows, but it's just, I... a, it's such a Jets thing to, for this to happen. Even if it's like, even if it was true to blow it out of proportion, it's like, okay, he's dating older woman. You know, it's just, it's just so goddamn Jets and so funny that we're not even into the season and they're like blowing this out of proportion, like making fun of it. The players around the league are just like laughing at it. And then it's going to be a talking point the entire season, even if it's a rumor, even if it's false, but if there is one attractive older woman that is wearing a Zach Wilson's Jersey, it's going to be like, Oh, is he committed to football? Does he love the game? He's too worried about off field stuff. Like they, they just have him right by the balls. I don't think it's true. I don't you know. know. Like often, and I'm not saying like, you know how often like this exact scandal happens, but like, I don't know. I, I want to learn more about the facts, which we will never get. I'm sure. I just, I don't know. I think there are something doesn't add up. Like you're telling me, okay. Like he, his ex-girlfriend is banging his boy from school. And now, He's banging like revenge. What the reason? Why, that, I don't know if that's like re, like textbook revenge though. The reason why I kind of believe it is the whole Jack Mac from Barstool posted it, and he, oh yeah, and he said, "Yo, take it down." And he said, "Yo, take it down." Like if you're a big star, and think about like so many of the stars that have gone through some kind of controversy that have never texted sources and be like, "Yo, take it down." It makes you seem guilty. It makes you seem. Oh, it makes like, you seem guilty. I don't. Yeah. I, like, I don't oops, I got. Oops, I got caught. Like, if it was just, if it came out and blew and went, 
people would have forgot about it yesterday. But the fact that now it's circulated of like, hey, I'll take it down, buddy. But just to let you know, like this is going like multiple sources are reporting on this and you have no clean alibi. Right. It was kind of suspect. Like, just own uh, it. Just own it. I know. Just say like, yeah, this is what I did. This is my choice. Blah, blah, blah. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But we're giving him time. So yeah, here we are. We gave him two minutes, two minutes too long. Whatever. Um, I I don't think it's I I don't think it's true. I'm just gonna say it. I I hope I'm wrong because that would be hilarious if I'm wrong. Hilarious, but time will tell the story of Zach Wilson, and I will be. I don't know. Selfishly, do I hope this is a fall from grace? Yes, because I don't need any more Jets like, ooh, could the Jets beat the Pats? Is Zach Wilson better than Mac Jones narrative? I don't need that. The Pats are the third best team in the AFC East. So. All right, good night, everyone. <laughs> Fuck it's you. Fact. It's just a fact. Just a fact. Oh, you think the Jets are – oh, what, the Dolphins? Yes. Did you see a tweet today? It was like – I think it was the score or some like major account was like, they posted one of those memes. It was like passing yards shouldn't count. Um, passing yards shouldn't include yak. Prove me wrong. And somebody retweeted it and was like, yeah, because two of would only have 200 career passing yards. <laughs> that was funny. That's funny. <laughs> and the home, the that same will funny. be this year too. Fuck Tyree kill. We're too far out to start talking about football. This no, is July 11th. No, thank you. It's too far. That's for another day. Uh, we'll close it out here. Episode 93. Thanks for tuning all-stars? in. Uh, huh? We're not doing all-stars? Oh, yeah. We. Oh, shit. That's yeah, true. We're we close it out. We're going to do all baseball all-stars. It's Fuck, I, forget. <laughs> I totally breezed over that. Whoops. Wow. I need to get on my game. Um, all-stars. All-star rosters are out. Um, I don't know. They didn't announce the, they did not announce the starting pitchers yet, which I don't think they do until. Till the week of. Right. Until next week, because Dave Roberts threw a little hissy fit that Clay, he's like, Clayton Kershaw should do it because of games in LA. Like, shut up. It's okay. And it'll probably happen. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen. All right. So we got most of these, right? Uh, Kirk's the catcher for the AL, Vlad at first, Jose at second, Devers at third, Tim Anderson at short. The outfield, which I think I got right, is Judge, Trout, Stanton, Otani, the DH. No surprises. Nothing. Um, Jordan over Jordan. A lot of people were. Yeah, I'm not I mean, too made, surprised at that, though. He made the all-star, but people were saying he should have been the starter. Whatever. Uh, my th- if we're going to talk duds on each or snubs on each. Yeah. One, let's do snubs. I like that. I am a little disappointed with Ty France from the Mariners not getting in. Yes, I agree. Um, I know he doesn't have the power like Vlad, but a three Oh six average with 15 doubles, 10 homers, 45 RBIs. Like, I don't know. I feel like even if he wasn't the starter, not getting into the all-star game at all, was kind of a slight to him and hopefully he can, I mean, he's had a wrist injury that kind of hampered him for two weeks. So that might've slowed him down, but I think he should have at least been on the team. 
and I'm writing a blog about it now. I'm indifferent about the whole including every team on the all-star game. Yeah, I don't like that. I'm 50-50 where it's like half of me is like if there's more deserving players, they should be on. But on the other hand, it's like it's a good time to showcase some of the smaller markets that don't get a lot of recognition, like the uh, pitcher from the Orioles, uh, Lopez. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Jorge Lopez? Yeah, like he has a hell of a story. He's doing very well this year. It's like, you know, he probably would not have been an all-star if on another team, even with such a great performance. He would have been one of those guys like, oh, he got snubbed. So on that aspect, it's nice to be included. But the other end, it's not a, you know, one, it's a popularity contest, and two, we shouldn't be handing out, you know, trophies for people that don't deserve it. I agree. So I don't know who the Mariners, who got on for the Mariners. Um, that there was their auto. Oh, it's probably Julio Rodriguez, which he deserves. I don't see him. Let's see the oh, AL pitchers. Where the fuck are the reserves? American League reserves. Yeah, it was Rodriguez. Yep. He deserved it. He's having a hell of a rookie year. He's having a hell of a rookie year. So, like, but you can't – you're telling me you couldn't throw in Ty France, who's also having a hell of a great year? Yeah. I hear you. I will say, a a shout-out here for the NL. Um, Cool stuff. Wilson Contreras is is catching. And now that Bryce Harper can't go, his brother, William, is going to be the DH. Yeah. That's pretty sick. Good for him. That is pretty sick. And he was going to be in anyway, so that was that was cool. Right. Also, shout out in the NL. I mean, again, we're talking about teams getting recognition. Diamondbacks pitcher Joe Mantiply. I I saw that dude. He has a 183 ERA. I know that one. I spit my I spit my drink out of that one. I was dude. I was literally before the show. I was combing through, and I saw. I was like, what the fuck is Joe Mantiply doing on this list? Yeah. I think it's Mantiply. I don't know. Mantiply, it sounds like yeah. Multiply. He was, he actually kind of like did well last year. He's uh he's had a good clip. I mean, he's, he's pitch of, I think he's got 35 strikeouts. Yeah. 183, one and two, 34 strikeouts. He's walked one guy. Wild. All right. He deserves it. it he's 31. Been... He was one of those guys that he was like a career minor leaguer. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been close to him. Yeah. And another guy, I mean, if we're talking still AL uh, snubs before we get to the NL, I think Mike King. I mean, beggars aren't going to be choosers. Hot take, hot take. I don't think Garrett Cole should be on this list. I agree. I actually agree with you. Now, granted, he is up there with the strikeouts and the innings pitched. I don't think he's an all-star. Little, little, little surprise there. That's where it becomes kind of like a popularity contest. Guys that I think should have made, like in terms of pitching, like um, Dylan Sees from the White Sox. I mean, 133 strikeouts with a 2.5 ERA. He's one. Kevin Gossman has a 2.86 ERA with 100 strikeouts through 16 starts. Robbie, uh, Robbie Ray, his last six starts had a 0.91 ERA with 46 strikeouts, and he's a workhorse. Another Mariners say, guy. Another Mariners guy. Logan Gilbert, two point eight ERA, hundred strikeouts, and he's ten and three. Yeah, that's another big one. I, I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna throw it out in the universe. If, if I get crucified, whatever. I think Christian Javier should have made it. True. 
He's a three RA, six and four. Uh, what's his whip? I think it's sub one. Yeah, he's got a .99 whip. Fuck it. He almost threw a – well, actually, he threw seven innings of a no-hitter. No-hitter, yeah. That the goddamn Yankees' expense, but – Yeah. Christian Javier. Uh, what a hell of a waiver pickup for a lot of people this year. You know, he's rostered in like uh, like ninety five percent of leagues. The Astros always pull out somebody. Look at them. They've got uh, what is it? Is it Garcia, Luis Garcia, uh, Fromber, and and uh, and Javier, and Verlander. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a legit th- right there. Those four alone. It's legit. Um. I don't think, yeah, no one else really gets, I think McClanahan's going to end up starting for the American League. Probably. It's like McClanahan, and then I say Nestor goes next, and probably Manoa afterwards. But Valdez has looked good for Amber Valdez. He's looked excellent, I'd argue. Uh, shout out Martin Perez, too, former Yankee. Another, uh, or no, excuse me, former Red Sox. Red Sox, Not- yeah, but good, uh, good comeback story. And he had like, I saw he had hell of a week. It was like Friday, he won the game. Saturday, he proposed to his girlfriend. Sunday, got his all-star nod. All while he's on a one-year, $4 million contract. Second stint with Texas. He went to... Washing away with the Rangers. Yeah. Well, he was with the Rangers for uh, seven seasons, and then the Twins. And then the Red Sox. Yeah. Always pretty solid. Career four four point five two ERA, eight hundred and seventeen strikeouts. Yeah, about a five hundred win record. Yeah, maybe the stats don't back that up. He's been solid. He's been fine. Yeah, it's a reliable lefty. This is the first All Star nod too. First All Star nod. Eleven years later. Yeah, Crazy. but then in the NL, I think uh, Carlos Rodon got the biggest shaft. 2.7 ERA, 1.06 whip, 124 strikeouts, 32 walks, and 100 innings. That sucks, and he was this touted guy. He was uh, a lot of eyes on him this year. Another guy who's been having a hell of a year, former Yankee Brandon Drury, got his vision back. I know. I'm pissed at that. Got his – this is what, like – Fucking Cincinnati Reds. You can't sit there and, like – I the biggest what-ifs, but, like – it was one of those things where he was supposed to be a stopgap. Obviously, Andujar filled in fine at the time. And that what if kind of brings of like, hey, what if, you know, we kept Drury and he was healthy. And, you know, this season he's producing 277 with 18 doubles, two triples, 18 home runs, 50 RBIs. And he plays around the entire diamond. Yeah. It's like a I know, That one hurts. Yeah. But again, at least it wasn't like Joey Gallo where he was like a good player and then a dud. That like, became a shitty player. Yeah. Know? Like he was just, he, what did he have, vertigo? That was Clint. He had something with like, he was like partially blind. Who, Drury? Yeah. He got I mean, a, um, he got this? a concussion and he had like eye issues. That was the same time that Matt Holiday had, uh, he the had an allergic thing? reaction and never came back. And he was, Matt Holiday was smoking the ball. I know. 
these random ass injuries. What the hell was that injury? It was something crazy. It was uh Matt Holidays or Drury. No, Drury just had migraines. Yeah, but it it, inf- it impacted his vision. Yeah, it was it was blurred vision. That's what it was. And now he's fucking. He can see again. He's hitting the. He's hitting the piss out of the ball. Ugh. I think he right. played the outfield yeah. too. Yeah, he played. He played every position. So that'll be a nice little reunion this week. Yeah. Uh, we got a trade. Not going to end up on the Reds at the end of this year. I'll guarantee it. Probably not. I wonder if the, I mean the Reds have some pieces to sell. Luis Castillo has been talked about for years. So who knows, but we'll do a, we'll do a trade deadline either next week or the week after, because that's August 2nd. Cause there's definitely some names that you'll see at this all-star game that will not be on the team afterwards. And because they have this all-star tag, it's going to cost a penny like it did for Joey Gallo. There we go. But that's okay. We took Jose Trevino for him and he became an all-star. I would have to agree. So it's interesting. I don't know. I love this part of baseball because it's like, let's start figuring out, taking some players. I think like the MLB all-star game is probably my favorite all-star game out of all of them. I yeah, I will say I, there was nothing like putting on the home run derby and stuff. Oh, and shout out Albert Pujols too. Who's, who's going to be in the yeah. fucking home run derby. That's sick. I hope Miguel Cabrera is in it. The last I saw, it didn't look like it, but he should. Yeah. That'd be cool. It's like, all right. Like, I, Pujol should call up and be like, dude, all right, let's stop playing around. Like, let's have one last go around. I think it's Pete Alonso, Acuna. Um, John Carlos Stanton flirted with it. Ooh. I think Pete's going to win again. He might. But oh, let's you see. Really, you really never know because, like, you have guys like Todd Frazier who won it. I think he won it two years. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I think it's just Acuna Pujols. Um, oh, Soto's going to do it too. Like, it definitely, like, if you look at the list, it's definitely the people you expect. I mean, the last few, Pete Alonso, Bryce Harper, Pete Alonso back-to-back. He's, lo- he's looking for the three-peat. Yeah, I think he's going to um, Bryce Harper, Judge, Stannon, Todd Frazier, Yuena Cespedes twice, Prince Fielder, Cano, Big Poppy, Prince Fielder again, Justin Morneau, Vladdy, Ryan Howard, Bobby Abreu, Miguel Tejada, Jason Giammi, Sammy Sosa. Like, it's the names you expect. I forgot Tejada won one. That's so sick. Yeah. He was he raked. I think uh, my money's on Pete right now. Yeah. Who holds winning it would be some kind of I I don't know. It's either gonna be Peter Pujols. I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit on Pujols. That'd be I mean he's probably he's probably heavy, heavy underdog. That's the thing. He's probably like plus three thousand. Might as well yeah. sprinkle ten bucks on him and make three hundred bucks. And where is that at? Dodger? Dodger Stadium, yeah. So he's got some I, he uh, what he, he played for that team last year. That's one that's going to be a random like bar trivia. Yeah, what was the other team that Albert Pujols played? Well, there was two. 
Play for the Angels, too. Play for the Angels. Yeah, L.A. I forgot. Wow. He spent, like, a little less than half his career in L.A. Yeah. That's where you got the major, major uh, bag from. Yeah, I mean, it worked out, but the Angels have just been pissing away their talent. That's another conversation. Let's see what was his stats with the Dodgers. It wasn't that great, I don't think. He had 12 home runs. Just with the Dodgers? Wow. 189 at-bats, 20 runs, 48 hits, 38 RBIs, 11 walks, 32 strikeouts, 12 home runs, 254 batting average. That was his highest that was his highest batting average since 2016. Where he hit 268. Yeah. Okay. How many home runs does he have? Uh he's getting up there. He's uh over 685, I'm pretty sure. 684. He's got 16 left. I don't know if he could do it this year because he's got five, but and this is his last year. So he says. Damn. 700. I think he's, he is not going to rescind on it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he's already done the whole speculate of getting gifts and shit. Home run leaders all time. What's that put him at third, fourth? Um, well, Bonds first. Aaron second, Ruth third, A-Rod yeah, fourth. Was he fifth now? He's fifth. So he's got to get to 696 because uh, I think A-Rod – yeah, 696 yeah. for A-Rod? 697 to take fourth. Okay. Yeah, because I always remember when A-Rod, you know, they – he played his last game at Yankee Stadium. There was like uh, six weeks left or something. So many teams were trying to throw him the bag of being like, you want your 700th home run? And he said, no, I'm going to end a Yankee. Yeah, all his, all, got to look at all the podcasts that A-Rod has been on. He said, yeah, yeah I, got, I got calls from very prominent teams in a playoff race that said, hey, we could use you to come off the bench. I'm glad. He, and then the Yankees shafted him by giving Joey Gallo's number away. Yeah, whatever. Do you know who's next active? Like the next active number of. Can I get a number? So at 27th with 505 home runs. Is the team going to give it away? Yeah. I don't know. Miggy. Oh, yeah. And then at 39 overall, at 457 is Nelson Cruz. And then next up is at eight tie for 81st is John Carlo with 369. That's pretty good considering Stanton's like I think that's pretty good. Hill, I mean Hill, he's got 22 this year, right now. So say if he gets another 22, that puts him he at like finishes with 40. Yeah, that puts him at almost 390. That puts him at 390. Which then would put 390 would put him at 63rd, tied with uh, Greg Nettles. <laughs> Yankee great, Greg Nettles. So that's an interesting one. Will he ever hit 500? I think so. I think so. Then you got guys like homers over the next like three years. He could probably do that. So Joey Votto's at 337. 
Cano's at 335, which shout out Robbie Cano, two hits today against his old team, the Mets. They lost they're paying, though. Uh, they're paying, what is it, 80% of his salary? Yeah. Ugh. Mike Trout's at 334. So he's got a lot of juice left, Mike Trout. He could, can he get another 200 in his career? Probably. I bet you can. I bet you can. Evan Longoria at 325, as well as Justin Upton. (laughs) Lada, this is where it gets funny. Then you got like Paul Goldschmidt, who's at 299. Arnada at 286. Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper both at 282. Uh, Former Yankee Andrew McCutcheon at 278. J.D. Martinez at 275. Rizzo at 273, Carlos Santana 266, same with Machado, Josh Donaldson 260, tied with the captain, Derek Jeter. A lot of a lot of potential. But again, it's one of those things where we're not going to see the longevity of players as much. Like I just read somewhere that Whit Merrifield is missed the game today with an injury. And he was the he was the closest to the Ironman streak at like 500 games. You don't get that like kind of longevity anymore. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because I mean, you're not going to have 14, 15 years where you play every game. No, and even now, how the I think like who even would rival that in today's game, but nobody. Even how the game is played, it's like it's all um, load management and giving rest days and, you know, lefty on lefty, righty on righty, lefty on righty, vice versa. It's just not it's, – uh, it's all analytical now. It's not about, hey, you're getting out there no matter what. Yes, it is. Kind of wild stuff. It's baseball purity. There you go. I'm looking forward. Uh, we'll have some, uh, I'll make my Homer Derby picks. I need to sit on it, but I think I'm confident with Pete and Pujols here Pete and next Pujols. week. I like- obviously got to look at the rest of the field, which is not out yet, but Pete and Pujols, that's going to be where I put my units. I think. Yeah. That's that. Are we that's good that. now? We had our baseball discussion. <laughs> and Elon Musk didn't. I mean, that's for next week. That's but. for next week. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Elon Musk did not buy Twitter. No, that's next week. We because we that deserves its full. Oh fuck! Now you got me really riled up. Yeah. That one. All right. Well, that's it for episode ninety-four. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, episode 93. Thanks for Shirag and Kevin for coming on. Thanks for the folks that helped arrange the interview with some of the best seltzer, non-alcoholic, that I've ever had. Um, yeah, really great stuff from St. John's Brewers and Cool Out, founded by Kind Grade, to drink Cool Out on most of their social media handles. That'll do it from us. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Thank you.